moms can come in every shape and form, and sometimes their children happen to have fur and wagging tails. This is a podcast for those who love the four-legged friends that they rescued because they got rescued right back. Each week, we bring on a dog mom or two to talk about their dogs and how they changed their lives. This is Rescue Dog Moms, a parenting podcast. I'm Yamini, and this is Boss. Hello, dog moms and dog dads. How are you guys doing? It's spring and it's super rainy today, but we've also had some amazing <laughs> nice days. Really helps uh, with dogs getting excited, at least mine, as you guys know from the various podcast episodes. He has been a grumpy boy in the winter, so really excited for spring and for him to get some pep back in his step. Thanks for joining me today. We have a really awesome guest today. I am so excited to welcome Leah from Save Res Dogs, um, who's going to be talking to us about her organization, her social media, what she does for the Indigenous community, for Indigenous and Northern dogs. And we have a really great nuanced discussion about the issues at hand with rescuing dogs in those communities, as well as just the bigger implication of dog rescue when it comes to serving communities. I really freaking love this episode. I think it's so educational and um, I really just want to thank Leah for being such a good guest. I really appreciate it. And speaking of good guests, um, I have quite a lineup planned and I'm super freaking excited about the conversations I'm having and I hope you guys are looking forward to it. Again, I know it's been sporadic with uploading, but if you guys are just patient with my schedule, I promise each episode is super worth it and you will get to connect with some really incredible people who are doing a lot uh, for the dog community. And then as you can see in this episode here, like as a result, the community at large. So without further ado, enjoy the episode. Welcome, Leah, to Rescue Dog Bombs podcast. So excited to have you here. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you too. And I'm so excited for our conversation. Before we talk about all the awesome stuff you're doing with Save Res Dogs, let's let me let's learn a little bit about yourself. What's your family structure like? And tell me a little bit about your dogs. Well, my name is Leah Arkend. I'm a member from Muskeg Lake Cree Nation here in Saskatchewan. And we live in Saskatoon. And I have a partner who is a full-time musician. And we have two dogs and a baby girl who is two years old. My partner is the only male of the house. We have two female dogs. And And then a girl. That's amazing. Just a (laughs) female-dominated house. Love it. Lots of estrogen around. (laughs) <laughs> we had Cedar first. She was our first baby. We got her at six weeks from a litter. And she's very like high needs kind of dog, but friendly. And then I rescued Willow from a community I was teaching at. And their personalities just matched. And it would spin us, like the four of us, for three years. And then we had mm. baby. That's our family right now. So they're both Northern res dogs. What do they look like? Like what mixes are they? Uh, Who knows? (laughs) When I had Cedar as a pup, I thought she had some German Shepherd in her. Like, I really don't know their breeds. And it's interesting because they are two totally different dogs from different places. They have similar physical characteristics. Like, they have like this white patch on their chest, both of them. And it's just very interesting. They're both same size. One's a brindle, one's a golden. One is very muscular and the other one is very lean. Like Cedar, she's very lean. Like, I think she would be an amazing sled dog.
dog because she loves to run and be chased. And then Willow, she's like the big cuddly teddy bear. So that's yeah. the best dynamic to have, honestly, is one more high energy fun pup and then one yeah. to just the cuddly. on the couch with. You were mentioning just before we started our conversation about their personalities a bit and how they affected each other when you brought them into the home. So what were they like when they first came in? And what would you say they're like now? My first memory with bringing Willow home, I was very excited. My partner Craig was at home with Cedar. She was probably six months. So still very puppy playful. And Willow was very small and playful. And as soon as Willow saw Cedar, she just ran to like fight her. And I thought like, oh, damn, this is a bad idea. Like they're going to fight. Like this is brutal. But it that was like the only time Willow kind of did that. And I, I get it like territorial stuff. And Cedar would sort of snap at Willow too when we first brought Willow around. Like I remember within the first days, Cedar would like nap with her paws on her toys. Like yeah. she there, like... <laughs> And I just like sister behavior, but now they're like a match made in heaven, like the best friends. They love to play and like get on each other's nerves. Like Cedar's a high princess and Willow is like very playful and Cedar's like not, she's like, I'm old now, <laughs> you know, like That's she's funny. a big girl, not like a little puppy like Willow. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because I we actually got a foster last night and I am so reminded of all those first day dynamics because today was we didn't introduce them last night like my resident dog and her and they're literally just so territorial and all just like they're both small dogs so it's even sillier yeah but they're basically just like snarling at each other teeth bearing and i'm just like you guys are such drama queens like why does this need to happen well when i was teaching in thunder child and this is when i started to play res dogs like we had cedar and willow but we also fostered like other like four other dogs so we lived yeah. in a tiny trailer and we'd have six dogs and they got along great like it was really it was really nice and that was sort of the last phase where Cedar and Willow were very um, playful and innocent, but because like they've gotten beat up a few times on the reserve, like they're also very defensive. Like they're still mm-hmm. playful and friendly, but it's hard to take them to a dog park now in the city because they, they'll fight before they play. And we just would rather not even chance it anymore, even with muzzles. Yeah. And it's like, like like my dogs aren't bad they're not uh, dangerous dogs it's just like they're products of like lack of you know proper animal programs and stuff that were in place that would keep them safe you know what I mean so they started out really great and playful and innocent and now they're they're still playful and great but they don't get along well with other dogs now so yeah and dogs change like I've noticed even again with this foster versus others I've had my dog is responding so differently like he's being so patient like she's (laughs) the one who's kind of burying her teeth and he's just like fine with it but in past it's been the reverse where he's the one getting jealous starting fights and he's the same at the dog park sometimes you know he's small so Mm -hmm. I have that benefit that no matter how pissed off he gets at a dog like no one's really gonna say anything yeah no for sure but sometimes I am just like okay 
maybe dog park break or maybe you just aren't in the space to hang out with dogs for a little bit. Take time out. Yep. He can get bitey, but again, it's not it's not thought of as the same way as when we fostered bigger dogs, for example. That's nice to hear about your dogs. So you rescued them from the reservation and you also foster or you used to foster yeah. more frequently as well. How long did you do that for? Um, I started I well, I got Cedar end of 2016, like on Christmas. And after Christmas break, when I got back, I wouldn't even like, it wasn't so much like fostering. It was like, I was feeding dogs yeah. and they would just follow me home because I lived right next to the school. And so that's how it really started. So it, I had my two dogs and then it turned into three more dogs and it became to like, oh, I'll, I'll feed you. I'll make sure they are fed when I'm around. And then it was like cold winter nights. And so I I'd like let them come in if they wanted or I get a co-worker to build a dog house for me so just like very slow things like that I never intentionally went out but it was yeah. but I was just doing it because I'm like well these dogs are obviously hungry so that's how it kind of just started in terms of how that might look like obviously you know I'm in Toronto gonna be look very different when you when you look around you and you see these dogs like they live outside like what does that scenario look like for them most dogs have owners right most have places to sleep most are like free roaming community dogs right so even though they have owners these dogs are like have free will to kind of like start eating out of someone else's dog bowl so the dogs that I started feeding they had owners but they were like so cool with me just like feeding them and letting them stay over because I was only on the reserve from Monday to Friday on the weekends I you know travel back to the city where I lived and that's the dogs would go back to their owners. But they just like, when I come back, they're like, Oh, they just seem so excited to see me. It's crazy to say, but they'd be like, if had that energy and vibe to they're like, Oh, she's here. She's back. So the dogs yeah. just like those three in particular just remembered me. And we lived in Prairie and we lived in little cul-de-sac of trailers. And so in my cul-de-sac, there was just like the regular dogs that I would just feed and hang out with, you know, not like hang out with, but like take my dogs for a walk and these dogs dogs who follow us. So it just we became very united. And there's the picture on my website. The first picture you see, that's us basically. And that was yeah. us. And I mean, dogs form connections in very different ways than we form connections with our dogs. So it makes sense that, you know, they can have multiple relationships with humans, have owners, but still connect with you and get super excited to see you and kind of act in that pack yeah. environment. But it's something that in the city, we don't get to witness as much, obviously. No. Not at all. It's yeah. super <laughs> Yeah, very. Well, it's more like individualized and not so much because there's bylaws, right? You can't have dogs yes. running around like nothing. But yeah. yeah. Well, we can transition then maybe talking a little bit more about Safe Res Dogs and talk a bit more about what, what your organization is all about and what the mission is. So like I mentioned, I was teaching. I was teaching a land-based program at the time for grade seven, eight uh, girls cohort. Like this is how I got Willow, you know, at the regular community dogs coming to the school. And there was one incident that was like extremely like brutal where a dog was you know killed by small members of the community we won't get into that too much but like it was just like harm happening to dogs and no consequences happening from that yeah. or that kind of behavior and that's an example of like no with there's when there's no animal bylaws or no dog management plans 
And then dog management is like signs on the gas bar door that say, keep your dogs on a leash. And it's like, the hell is that going to do? I just like was teaching my students how to take care of pets and stuff like that and rehoming certain dogs. And so I would use my social media as a tool to like, hey, here's a dog unclaimed, you know, always made sure if this dog didn't have a home kind of thing or someone surrendered it or dog followed a kid to school and the kid's like I don't even want it that happened too so I'm like okay so now I got this dog not a big deal but I'll use my social media and so I started using the hashtag save res dogs it just like the only thing that came to my mind and so I, I started doing that early 2017 when I wasn't teaching just like helping any dogs, teaching, incorporating the two. And then I went to a conference in Calgary, I think in 2018, there was like a big speaker doing one of First Nations communities and their dogs. And I thought like, wow, like I want to go, I want to learn some more. Went to Calgary, brought Cedar and Willow with me. I kind of snuck into the conference because you know, there's conference fees that are crazy. Oh, but yes. I just want to go to this one presentation. I'm not going to bug anybody. So I just like walked in walked into the ballroom and sat in the corner and just like listened and you know took pictures and there was a moment where where you could ask questions and I could feel it in my heart like was beating so fast because I knew I wanted to say something because at that time I was like yeah I had cedar and willow then I had the three dogs and the one dog had nine puppies so I had like 15 14 dogs in my care so I went up and to the mic stand and took the mic and shared my spiel and there was like I <laughs> It was fine. Everyone was just like, oh, that's great. And uh, there's like media there. And I ended up on CBC. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, oh, God. Like, (laughs) and so people started coming up to me afterwards. Like, I said my spiel. Like, this is why, you know, we need aid or help in our communities, blah, blah, blah. Went back to my seat. You know, everyone's clapping. And then people would come up and be like, hey, I work in Prince George if you ever need anything. Or, hey, like, you know, people just being super kind and, there was this one gentleman who was like, hey, I'd like to donate some dog food to you. Come see my booth out in the hallway. And I was like, oh, for sure. And sure enough, it was like like a cat company, but they had dog food, I guess, in stock. And then I gave them my information of where I worked. And literally like two weeks later, a huge semi truck full of dog food came and like yeah he like kept his word we had over 500 pounds of dog food that I just kept in my classroom and so my mission there was just to donate or give it to dog owners who couldn't afford it or elders who needed it so I'd have like lineups of students come and collect dog food for their dogs at home and so then I really like my reputation like sort of bumped up and I was like the dog lady in the community. Yeah, yeah. So any kind of dog related thing, they just messaged me. And I didn't even have like my Facebook page up yet. I was just like doing like regular schmegular like teaching. So that happened until I went on mat leave end of 2019. I moved back to the city, went on mat leave, still fostering. I had a foster when I was on mat leave. So we had three dogs at the time. I had my baby and still using the hashtag save res dogs. And then, and, and still getting messages from people of like, Hey, I have a dog who had puppies. Can you help me rehome them? Or Hey, like I have a sick dog here, like kind of anything from my own community, especially the one I was teaching in. I stayed in Thunder Child since 2018. 
because I had my baby the next month. And then seven months later, I was still getting a lot of requests for res dog situations. And then I decided to start a Facebook page. There was a, uh, there is an organization called Canine Action Project that does a lot of work in the area and they do great work. I thought about like volunteering with them and I did for a little bit, but they're like, they're non-native, which is fine, but I wanted to be like an indigenous based group because there was really, there is really nothing indigenous based groups rescues or in the area. And so I just thought I'll start my own thing. I'll get merch made and I'll donate the proceeds to these rescues because I just am a believer in first voice and being indigenous, like I, and, and experiencing what I've seen and all the requests I have, like I have a, like an indigenous take on a lot of the situations. And I could say my truth on these issues that non-natives can't really say, I feel like, you know, like, yeah. otherwise it can just get a little crazy. So yeah, and you also have like, clearly you establish this community because mm-hmm. you all like relate to each other. You're all indigenous. You can talk to each other in a different way too. So your connection to all the members of your community is not going to be the same as mm-hmm. someone else. Yeah. And so that's how I kind of started. So it went from, you know, just simply feeding dogs to like yeah. going to presentations and wanting to learn more. And then people knowing that I'm reliable in that sense of helping. And that's sort of what I've committed Save Res Dogs to do is just, I can't fix everything, but I'm here just to be the middle person. Like I can link a community to a rescue now, like very easily because I have so much support and a lot of people who want to help so I've kind of become the hub for indigenous rescues and in the prairies and actually in Canada it's really crazy and I don't really talk about it that much because I'm just like it just happened (laughs) and I've been I've been mailing like our merch save res dogs like all over North America which is really crazy for me I think it speaks to yeah like you being the first one who really had that like first voice and people people want that I think whether they're indigenous or not they want to support if they believe in it they want to support it directly so that's awesome that's amazing that you use social media I guess is like your primary way where do you see your role in social media now that's still yeah how you primarily connect with everyone pretty much like social media I have the website because I well I started out with Facebook and then I would meet people and they're like well I'm not on Facebook so I branched out to Instagram Twitter and then the website and that's when I started doing my merch sales through Squarespace. My partner just sort of whipped up our webpage quickly and I learned how to do it myself. So we've just been maintaining it and I just add resources to it when I come across something that I think would be really helpful to the community. So that's helped me really define what my mission is. It's just first and foremost, an advocate and education just because, you know, my background is, is being a teacher. And then I'll do the rescuing and helping rehome and everything merch and stuff when I can because I I'm a full-time teacher too still yeah a baby and you know my family and everything so but I like it's very fulfilling it's it's work that I wish I did like a long time ago honest work it doesn't feel like work because it's stuff that needs to be done anyways so so I just try to help people to do the work in their community and like I don't have all the answers I'm still learning a lot of stuff but it's very it's very humbling for sure yeah and you said you connect with other communities as well in the is it in the prairies area or you said actually you pretty much said across Canada and help them it can be the same resources yeah the merch 
for sure is across North America. Most of like the requests I get is from the prairies, like in the West, basically. And so what I usually do if I get a request, I just think like go with like my intuition and like what I can do, like and also having boundaries of things I can't do. Because sometimes I'm asked way too much <laughs> from mm-hmm. if I'm talking to say a counselor or director of operations and they just expect me to like implement a whole program. And I'm like, no, that's not what I'm here for. Like you have staff to do that. And I'm, you know, like use my platform to get to get these resources to give to your staff to implement. That's all I kind of want to do. If you need a rescue, I could hook you up with the rescue kind of thing. If you need merch, dog tags, whatever. But I'm not about to go in and clean up a mess that's not mine. And I'm Oh yes. And I'm no one's <laughs> personal animal control, you know? So right now I'm just really trying to help my own community <clears throat> just by like providing dog houses and dog pet ID tags and um taking requests. So I, I, I do need to have boundaries, but I also don't want to leave a lot of people high and dry, like the community members who are like like really who'd even take the time to message me and say like, Hey, I have a dog to rehome. And I, I just like keep those receipts to know, like these people need to be going to their leadership, you know, like as, and, and I always take these instances to leadership to be like, Hey, a member from your community message me. Is there something you could do about it? Mm-hmm. So it's people. And I know people haven't reached out to leadership just because they always feel so defeated and they think like, oh, they're not going to do anything anyways, or they're just going to shoot them or stuff like crazy stuff like that. So I get why they come to me, but I also want a huge shift in like members going to their leadership and having like my partner calls it community readiness, you know, like, yeah, well, you don't want to be the only part, like you said, Mm -hmm. you can't be the only resource for everyone forever. Forever. Yeah, a system in place that helps yeah. this issue in the long term. And mm-hmm. that's where yeah. leadership stepping up is mm-hmm. probably part of that. Yeah. And I like, and that's why I started this to help and be a helper, but I don't want to do this forever. Like it's cool and it's fun. And I get to meet like really cool people and do cool things, but I don't, I want communities to be able to do their own thing and realize like they they have to you know we can't keep relying on rescues or whatever to come in and fix it like enough with that you know I again still use my social media I make memes to like help me speak truth in humorous ways without people getting mad at me and sometimes I don't care if people get mad at me because I just frame it like I'm not the problem you know like I'm not the issue yeah People, it depends who you talk to and what their worries are. Like lately I'm finding out like leadership is worried about their image. And so if I help a community out with their name in it, they want me to delete that post. And it's just, just, you know, things like that, that I'm picking up and I'm like, no one can tell me what to do. Nope, you're an independent platform. And that's what people want. That's what social media is great for is just talking about exactly what's going on. Well, let's talk about maybe a bit more of that like concrete stuff. So your website is absolutely a great resource. So let's talk about what a dog management plan might look like for a community, why it might be important, and maybe what to consider if you're part of a community, what are your priorities? And what can you talk to you leadership about? So i usually base it off the situations I get messaged about the most and most times it's like dogs not getting spayed and neutered but I know that's not just the end-all be-all like if you spay and neuter like that doesn't 
really manage much. Unclaimed dogs running around as well. So it's starting small with what we can do. Stuff that is um, cost effective. And I, I mm-hmm. usually in mind the northern communities who don't have access to these services, right? So there was a post I put on my website t- called like what you can do in your community. So, well, recently I had a GoFundMe to get a dog tag engraver and that was like pretty expensive, but I managed to raise the funds in like two months just from a GoFundMe. So, and I know there's money out there. I know like leadership makes a lot of money too. And it's just like prioritizing the needs. So to avoid like certain situations where dogs are stolen or lost or taken from a rescue is just identifying them. So yeah, I think like the first thing to do in a community is to canvas who has what dog and how many. So take note of that right? And then that way you can start identifying the dogs and dogs who aren't identified or unclaimed. Those are the ones you can surrender to a rescue. So you almost have like a fresh slate in a sense. And so that's a start. Another idea project is creating dog lots where if a dog is lost or wandering or dropped off, there's a safe space to take that dog to post information about this dog. If there's an owner out there. Um, So that's an idea as well. The other one is once you canvas and get information and getting the female spade. I'm very, very sensitive about the females, especially the straight ones, because I think like they're the most vulnerable members in our community, especially if there's no programs in place to help them or where they can get help. So it's just like first priority is getting all female spade. In order for these ideas to work, you have to have rules set in place, like the bylaws. And these bylaws need to be, can come from the community, right? Like, but again, like all of this is time and all of this is effort and energy. Like, yeah. Who wants to do that if they're not going to get paid to, you know what I mean? So I think like this type of work should be fit into someone's description to to make this happen. Like if you're in the lands department or public works, like, or creating jobs out of this, or, you know, cause you have like volunteer firefighters. Why can't we have volunteer like yeah. people? Do you find that the attitude in terms of the work that's given to these communities, the dogs aren't a priority at all? No, not at all. And another aspect of this can really root back to colonialism because like we did we do have really strong relationships with animals but because of colonialism a lot of our systems have been damaged and broken and we're sort of in crisis control to fix a lot of things in our communities and that's why dogs is sort of last on the list and you know fine fair enough but it's now like eventually like we're in that time like okay let's like we're just like going around in circles we're seeing the same issues we're not doing anything we're not addressing it we're just like yeah I have this broken mentality sometimes and doing (laughs) doing what they can like I like if a northern community doesn't have access to ship down dogs or have spay neuters like sure they'll have to shoot and have a major call which is super unfortunate so it's it's really different in every community because every community just has the different resources and also like you said with the unclaimed dogs can happen is Mm -hmm. of course rescues come in maybe with the best intentions and can because the system is different than in the rest of canada can grab a dog that 
could be actually belonging to someone but just isn't labeled as such yeah like you said all the other priorities it might be low on a list but if that happens to an individual that's a heartbreaking situation yeah and it's happened and it's yeah. been still like i'm learning a lot about rescues too i know there's a lot of supportive ones and i i rarely hear of like the bad ones but i'm i want to look more on how they operate just recently i heard about rescues paying to pull dogs from communities. And I've never heard of that. I've heard of communities paying rescues to come in to take dogs. That's all I kind of knew just because that's all I knew. (laughs) No one talks about this stuff anyways, but one community I worked in, they paid like thousands of dollars for rescues to come in, pull all any unclaimed dogs. And then therefore this rescue, I'm sure they have a big bill, but now they have huge adoption fees to adopt these dogs out. It just seems interesting and depending on how you want to look at it. You want to have faith in these communities that they're helping and yeah, they are, but at whose expense, you know, like, yeah. like double dipping or being exploitative. And I saw it, and this, like, this is all like this week's thoughts for me. Like, yeah, absolutely. And I don't want to like start burning bridges and having, you know, rescues, like think I just talk shit all the time, but I don't, I'm just like, I'm really just learning and I'm just exposing and learning about stuff. But I think too, you know, like a lot of rescues obviously are a hundred percent volunteer based and also probably don't have the resources and time to think about the implications mm-hmm. of rescuing from these communities. So I think that's where your work is important and is educational and hopefully makes a difference for these rescues as well. Because I mean, I personally am someone who cares a lot, you know, cares about indigenous issues and dogs. So I wouldn't want one to overset the other yeah. as a non-native person. So exactly. I hope I would hope that there are, that that education piece is the first starting point to getting systems in place. Yeah, yeah. And, and that type of mentality is important to like for rescues like if you want to help a dog like you have to help the community you can't like help a dog and look down on the community and be like you don't deserve dogs how can we ban animals from this community like people are crazy and they think that and they they try think they could say it on my page and I just don't stand for it it's like if you're an alley for res dogs you're an alley for indigenous communities and if you're not then you can unfollow like bye like I just like it like I've seen like I've seen and heard a lot so I have low patience for a lot of stuff and I won't stand for a lot of stuff especially when it comes to like racism on my page like yeah just don't make time for it absolutely not and people need to know that it is straight up <laughs> yeah. racist to say things like that it's just there's no alternative right yeah we were talking about like how people want to have opinions and stuff and Mm -hmm. with save reds dogs like it opens the doors for so many conversations in any aspect like culturally politically spiritually like anything like you could you can always kind of fit in res dogs or dogs in there like it's so multi-layered and that's it can get really exhausting sometimes but people just think oh, you should just fix your dog and that's it. Or, you know, or you shouldn't have animals anyways and that'll be fixing everything. But I'm like, man. (laughs) You can't fix centuries of colonialism in one swell move in any way, right? Yeah, it's. I think think it's hard on the internet. People sometimes see things really black and white or think Mm -hmm. about quick fix solutions. And I think as the role of educators in general is just to talk about 
the nuances and the complexities that mm -hmm. come into all these topics. And this one is one that even, you know, same with me, like I wouldn't have made a connection if I hadn't landed on your page. And I immediately just was like race relations in Canada separately. And I put dog in another bucket. But of course, there's a relationship there. Yeah, everything is yeah. interconnected. Yeah. Exactly. And um, in terms of the work you do, I know you also, I know you're an educator by day, and then you educate on these subjects in your community and outside of it. What does that look like for you? What um, do you see that do you see the takeaway from that? And what do you hope to come out of these discussions? Yeah, um, when I like social media, it's because I have my phone with me all the time. Anyways, right. So if I'm going to, I figured if I'm going to be on social media, I want to be productive. And this is a way for me to be productive and release and say the truths about what I see. And I can be really funny about it, or I can be like matter of factly and I don't care attitude. <laughs> Honestly, like I don't do it for anyone, really. I'm just like, I think about all the dogs that, you know, I've helped and I hate that I'm going to get emotional, but. Honestly, like there's been a lot of dogs that impacted my life. Yeah. So this is like the least I can do for them and their legacy. And yeah, <laughs> it's just a, a lot of emotions into this work. And yeah, I, I don't want to listen to this podcast. Now oh, that my God. <laughs> but I, I am honestly so touched that you're feeling emotional about this topic and that you feel okay, like being like this with me. So <laughs> honestly yeah it, it, what you're saying makes a lot of sense to me you know these are living creatures that have effects on you on their environment and mm -hmm. they deserve they deserve better yeah like and so I have a daughter now mm -hmm. and I don't want her to grow up and think like how things are going is okay or normal and so part of my mission with through education is really breaking these cycles and reframing things differently, you know, and, and trying to reclaim our relationships with the dogs too. So not only is it just within our community, Indigenous community, it's with a non-Native community. It's just like, it's just a lot to talk about all the time just for people to get it. And since I've started the work, like, I do feel like maybe there's a difference happening, like more people feel empowered to do something, more people want to do something in their community or adopting or just trying to be more involved and that's that's great so I just feel like I'll say whatever I want in a respectful ways and not caring if people get mad at me just because I know I'm not the issue and yeah I just I really do this for the youth and the kids just to really break these cycles and and know that they can make a difference too so that's amazing and I understand why this work must be so emotional for you. It's an uphill battle to just convince so many people or so many powers that are against you. I think just uh, important to recognize that every little bit that you do like impacts an individual or impacts a dog. And mm -hmm. that's so important. Yeah. So, um, so I'm like a full-time substitute teacher in one school. So I get to work with all the classes and I talk about Save Rise Dogs all the time with all these kids. And it's, it's great because they're a little small audience who just loves dogs. And then at the end of any spiel or anything story I share at the end, they're all like, I want to save dogs. Like, 
teacher when I grow up I'm going to save Fred's dogs and I just like I love it so much and it does give me so much hope because it's like wow like this whole young generation like automatically gets it and I hope stilled in them as they grow up and they can hopefully by the time they're older like these issues aren't so you know in our faces but they can really make a change because I know they go home and they're like yeah I told my mom about your safe res dogs we checked out your website so they're going home and they're talking about it and it's those are like the really sweet moments and stuff like that is when I get to talk about with kids it's and it's a different story when I talk to adults about it who are just so like over it not all of them like there's some who want change but they also that's lack of community readiness right like they just want me to come in and fix everything and I'm like no so it's differences in audiences for sure yeah it makes sense but hopefully the key is that like you said these young generations like don't repeat patterns themselves too of just in terms of what they want to spend their energy on and how they want to treat the dogs in their lives I did want to ask maybe just for you know us non-natives who are learning and like what is the the average person maybe missing when it comes to understanding the issues with dogs in these communities and everything that you're tackling right now there's just like a misconception that they think we don't care about animals and it's not true like we do it's just uh, I don't know it's just it can be hard when you're trying to like be part of a system that's really broken and no one's really helping you like to help regu- regulate your situation like if I have four dogs fine but they're I would need help in a way too like if I live up north or if I'm an you know, older person elder and I can't afford it like I would like my community to help so I don't know I, I so I, I just want people to understand it's not a, we don't care it's just we're living in a broken system, honestly. And we also, from what you've told me too, I feel like colonialism has, it has put in place a different relationship to dogs too. Like you were saying that your the way your community, re- you know, each community must have related to their dogs is, was, mm-hmm. is different. And then the system like doesn't support that, I guess. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Like when I heard of rescues coming in and taking dogs unclaimed and not checking like that is just like no different than the 60 scoop coming in and taking removing kids um, because they thought we didn't know how to do anything and actually my friend told me the other day that the child welfare system is a model after the animal welfare system they kind of are connected in a way that's interesting for me and that's another part of a deep dive I want to explore is just like connecting the animal welfare system to the child care system in Indigenous communities. I guess for non-natives or rescues, it's just protocol is very important in communities and we want the help, but we want it on our terms. So it's very important that, you know, you come in and check in and see what the situation is and offer solutions instead of just picking up and taking dogs away for their benefit you know so and to build like like lasting relationships you know relationships and knowing that this rescue is not going to come in and just take every dog they see kind of thing like people understanding that we need the help we need educational resources and understanding what our options are and just because you know like like I mentioned there's so many other things that they're that they're focusing on like housing, childcare, health, like so above and beyond and dogs are on the bottom. So it's like, if you ask them, what is it that you need? They're not really going to know what they need. It's just that, you know, there's too many dogs around, do something. Right. 
that's not helpful. You know, you know, that's not building a constructive conversation. So people who want to help just to really try offer more solutions on what they can do. Yeah. And I think through your platform, you've made some suggestions or resources and like they can ask an expert like you or a member of the community who might have some ideas as well versus just coming in and maybe just thinking about what's best for the dogs without in bringing in the impact it'll have on the community. Yeah. How can we support? How can we support you, your group, the communities you serve? That's such a good question. Honestly, it's me and my partner doing all Save Red Dog stuff. Everything you see of Save Red Dogs, it's me and my partner. And like I said, he's a full-time musician. I said this the other day. I'm like, we gotta try just find a way to maintain this so we are okay. Like, so we don't feel burnt out. And so we're just sort of maintaining and doing what we can without like, I can't do this anymore. I quit. We're okay right now. Like I'm doing the merch that I can. I actually, like, I have a couple offers of stores who want to hold some merch, which is great. I think just like keep sharing and also just like keep sharing posts just to get the word out. That's super helpful. Maybe sending in resources that could help us pass it out kind of um, as an option. You know, I'm not necessarily buying merch all the time. I'm not registered at all. Like I haven't even dived into that area yet just because I'm like, that's a lot of work and I don't really know a lot about it. So donations are great, but I'd rather give you merch in exchange. So that is something, but sharing posts and just sort of reaching out to if a community that you're nearby and asking what they need or telling them about Save Rise Dogs and like, here's some information that could be helpful. Like just those kinds of things, just so it's on people's radar. That's awesome. I definitely was like planning on buying some merch and I was like, I'll wait till after and then you'll see my order come through. So I'm excited to get some merch. You said that, you know, you kind of do this as much as you can. You're trying to balance everything. Do you have any plans for the rest of the year? Obviously we're all in this situation and I'm sure your communities are feeling it more than anyone else. So what are your plans for Save Res Dogs? Plans to keep growing? Plans to keep it going I guess as well on top of everything else in your life I do have like big dreams like I want to do a children's book at some point and a graphic novel just so if I do presentations continue to do presentations for kids I have a book to read that I wrote you know to engage kids and then the graphic novel novel for teenagers and sort of basing it from my dogs like Cedar and Willow as superheroes you know you know helping youth fight colonialism type of stuff that, those are like ideas that have been on my to-do list for a while and creating more merch, like everything I have in merch is black. <laughs> I don't know, just because it makes everything easier, but I want to have different colors now. One thing I want to work on that will help for now is is making sure by next winter everyone or most people have pet id tags and dog houses because that is attainable because you can make dog houses out of old pallets and a sheet of plywood type of stuff and finding sponsorship for for those things for communities and i do want to be accessible to more people who don't have access to get a pet id tag for their dog so i want to do that as a free service in the future the donations i get the merch sales i make that can help me sustain that project idea for a while. That's awesome. We could all go mm -hmm. buy some birch and support that because it's definitely really important. It's time for the speed round. For our speed round, our dog mom will answer 
questions as quick as they can about their dog. Let's go. Shy or outgoing? Cedar is outgoing and Willow is outgoing. No, wait, sorry. Cedar is shy. Like, so I don't want to take too much time for one answer. Oh my God. No worries. Do they like games or treats? Treats. What's their, what's their favorite treats? Oh, just anything that we eat. (laughs) Human food. Yeah. Yeah, Human food is a treat. And Willow likes games. She likes to play tug of war. Collar, harness or other? Harness because they pull a lot for both of them. And we have their collars of their ID tags. Dog beds or human beds? The couch. (laughs) (laughs) The couches. just all over the furniture um but if they could have their way human bed like they would sleep in our bed but but you don't let them uh we do we did but too much space now like oh yeah there's just us and our baby in the bed so yep that's a lot of bodies (laughs) squeaky toys or balls willow likes both she likes both cedar doesn't care for them people or dogs people for both of them like yeah they get excited when they see other dogs but i know for a fact if they go around that dog they're gonna it's gonna end up in a tussle before they start playing and i just would rather avoid the tussle and Um, they are excited to meet strangers or is it like friends of yours or yes they're excited to meet people Mm -hmm. so very much people if they're on a leash though cedar can be a little like asshole for no reason because she wants her freedom my dog is love it like that too <laughs> summer or winter have crazy winters yeah we're in we were in minus 45 last week oh my god summer summer for sure walks or cuddles walks even if you say the word walk their ears perk up and they're just are like kate let's go early walks or sleep in sleep in they're like teenagers and can sleep until noon oh my god too funny guard dog or greeter guard dogs guard dogs unless if they're like oh it's someone we know then they'll greet but they'll bark at everything they'll bark at a leaf falling (laughs) that's my dog too I guess I'll skip this one because you said they didn't like dogs, but unless you want to say like they prefer big dogs or little dogs. Big dogs, I guess. Yeah. And little dogs. I don't know. They go crazy. They got each other. (laughs) Bacon or peanut butter? The tie. The bacon first and then peanut butter. If your dogs were to be voiced by an actor, who would it be? Cedar would just be like a valley girl, I think. And then Willow would be like, um, no, Cedar would be a mean girl and Willow would be a valley girl. And I don't know which characters. (laughs) Cedar's like, I'm too good. And then Willow's like, let's play all time. Like, yeah. Yeah. love that do they like tricks no no (laughs) (laughs) like uh they know like how to sit and lie down and shake paw and that's it willow we could probably get her to roll over but does she like doing it or is she just like fine (laughs) actually no a good trick well they do is because my partner's musician he plays harmonica and they love harmonica and so they automatically sing whenever he plays a harmonica and it's so cute like oh that's the cutest yeah (laughs) squirrel chaser or scent follower scent follower (laughs) especially if it's food or oh yeah another animal yeah costumes or naked (laughs) naked (laughs) do you put on clothes when they go outside in the winter or are they okay Uh, no not now because they're too big but when they were younger we did put little sweaters on squat or lift for for going to the bathroom oh oh squat (laughs) (laughs) they're both girls yeah yeah are they mommy's kids or daddy's kids uh they're 
Their Cedar is definitely a daddy's girl and Cedar is my girl. And it's so apparent. Like if I wake up first, they're kind of on the couch and they wag their tail and they're like, hey mom. But if Craig got up, they like jump out of bed and they're like, yeah, here he is. And he's just a superstar. And I'm like, well, hi. Like, but it's mainly because Craig takes them for walks. I did, but I take a break now because they're so, they pull too much. And the areas, there's so many roaming dogs are in this community like I just don't trust it so Craig takes them for walks so they are like look up to him with star eyes all the time (laughs) I have the same dynamic our dog from day one has been obsessed with my partner Dan and it breaks my heart I just like want I just want him to look at me the same way but it just doesn't happen Thank you so much for sharing everything with me. I thought this was such an amazing conversation and I'm really excited to re-listen and edit it. Thanks so much again. I really appreciate this. Thank you so much. Rescue Dog Moms is a project by Yamini inspired by her rescue boss, who you can find on Instagram at thepupboss. To keep up with the Rescue Dog Moms podcast, you can follow us at rescuedogmoms.ca or on Instagram at rescue dog moms pod. See you next week. Ah, ah.